You're listening to the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast for October 30th, 2017. Companies and colleges are talking a lot these days about how to attract and retain more women and girls in engineering and tech. Part of the answer may be in our K-12 schools. I spoke to several teachers at an all-girls school to try to gain a little perspective and reflect on how we teach engineering to young people today. Listen up to the conversation in two parts next. I'm Pius Wong. I am in Austin, Texas, and on the south side of town, there is an all-girls public school that happens to teach multiple types of engineering classes to its students. This combined middle and high school is the Ann Richards School, named after the 45th governor of Texas, by the way. And in part one of this episode, you can hear my conversation with two high school engineering teachers there. Later in this episode, in part two, I speak with the middle school engineering teachers. Now, let's hear from teachers Shireen and Shama. Yes, great. Okay, I'm Shireen Dadmer, and I teach at the Ann Richards School in Austin, Texas. And um, currently, I'm teaching AP Calculus, uh, AP Computer Science, Digital Electronics, which is the engineering course for our 11th graders, and Algebra 1 uh, for our little 9th graders. Uh, my name is Shama Lakshmanan. I'm also a teacher at the Ann Richards School. This year, I am teaching Algebra 1, Algebra 2, and Introduction to Engineering Design, which is our ninth grade engineering course. Okay. So, Shireen and Shama, what kind of school is the Ann Richards School? It's a school of choice. We have all sixth graders through twelfth graders. Um, we do not have cream of the crop kids that people think, like, oh, you only have to have certain grades to get in. So we have a nice... We have a diverse school, which makes it is one of the many things that makes it phenomenal. Um, there's an application process, and anyone from a out of 20 points, if you get 13 points or higher, roughly, you get put in a lottery, and you're chosen. So we have 65% maybe free and reduced lunch, 65 or so percent Hispanic, um, and it's awesome. So to add to that, like in the lottery situation, we do take uh, 75% of our lottery gets pulled from Title I schools and 25% gets pulled from non-Title I schools. So that's how we try and maintain the balance balance of it. And uh, our focus is to get girls who are first generation in their family, both graduating high school and graduating college, to and through college. And we said it's an all-girls school, yeah? Okay. And if not, I will I will have said it in an introduction somewhere. So it's an all girls school. You serve a wide range of a wide range of kids, um, a diversity of kids, a wide age range too, right? Oh, yeah. Is it from middle school to high school? Six through twelfth. Yeah. So we like you said, it's diverse in socioeconomic background, in racial and ethnic background, and in age and ability and, ability and skill for sure. Because yeah. yep. interest level. So and when they get to the ninth through twelfth grade, they have to pick a pathway. And they have one of three choices. Uh, they have media tech, they have biomedical engineering, or they have engineering pathway. So every year they take a course uh, in one of those pathway oh, well. fields. Interesting. Engineering is required even if they don't necessarily say, I want to do engineering. They get a choice that after eighth grade. They get to choose which pathway they oh, want. Okay. So they don't necessarily all of them go into engineering. Um, but yes, they have one class out of eight, which is their pathway course all through their high school career. And then in middle school, we have STEM and project lead the way classes for sixth, seventh, and eighth. It's what we call the required elective. So they got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's an elective, but they got to choose it or Voluntary. they have to take it. Right. Yeah. This elective? And in sixth, seventh and eighth grade is just kind of a hodgepodge of STEM focused STEAM, STEAM, STEAM. focused. Yeah. So you are into the STEAM oh, acronym. Yeah. I we have a phenomenal yep. art department. Yep. And we went from STEM to STEAM probably about three or four years ago. And this whole school is a STEAM focused school. That's our main mission is to get more girls into STEAM focused. Cool. I think the people in Central Texas or in Austin do know the reputation of Ann Richards School, but thank you for for explaining that. There's a lot of people listening who may not know Ann Richards. I'm really happy that you could meet me and talk to me. And um, the reason why, as I already told you off the record, is that I'm interested in learning about how to teach engineering 
and computer science to classes of all girls. And you obviously have a lot of experience with that. How long have you all been teaching at Ann Richards um, or in general? Uh, I've taught here since we opened. So this is my 11th year here, but I've been teaching for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've taught since they first had high school classes. So it's my ninth year here and it's my 21st year of teaching. And you were always teaching engineering? Nope. Then? No. I, I wasn't even a... T- well, neither of us were, but I wasn't planning on teaching. Uh, I started out in Jersey, and I had a math degree, and I worked in industry in math. Um, and then for two years, did not like it, so I got an alternate route certificate. Mm-hmm. And so I spent six years working in Jersey. Then I was six years at Aikens, and this is my uh, ninth year at Ann Richards. So I was a math person, but the in my interview, as they seem to do in small schools, and especially in this school, uh, one of the questions was, how would you feel about teaching engineering? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so we went to a PLTW summer course. And at that time, I taught the IED, the ninth grade engineering. And so as we built up uh, grade levels and we got to the 11th grade, they said, how would you feel about teaching digital electronics? And so, yeah, that'll be great. So, so I went to training. And then uh, Ms. Lakshmanan picked up the IED and yeah. I'll let her tell you her story. So IED is the intro to engineering design at Project Lead the Way PLTW? Okay, yes. and Shama, you, you were an engineer, right? I was. So I graduated from UT with a mechanical engineering degree and I was in industry for almost four years. Uh, I worked in a R&D research and development for a semiconductor company doing photolithographers. And then f- about four years into it was the tech bust of 2003-04 mm. that hit Austin. And so mm. I was gifted the opportunity to reevaluate my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I w- went into teaching and I became a sixth grade math teacher at Keeling. Mm. Um, that's where I met Muskoka. And then I came over here and taught middle school math. And then as we uh, increased and had higher levels of uh, kids, then I traveled up with them math. And then I also did some middle school STEM, STEAM elective courses as well. Cool, cool. Because Ann Richards started out teaching younger... Okay, and as they aged up, you expanded. Yep, exactly. Every year they added a grade. So, and we've had five graduating classes now. And our first graduating class just graduated from college, so that's cool. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. It's all us. It's all us. So I just want to know, first of all, your personal experience uh, teaching engineering classes. What what do you think about it? Is it fun? Is it great? Just generally, what do you what do you think? I it's awesome. So what I the intro to engineering design is like a visual design indus, industrial design class. Um, so it's a lot of creative product design, and we're on CAD. Uh, AutoCAD 3D Inventor. So a lot of mechanical stuff. Yes, and that's actually what I did when I was in industry. I was on Inventor a lot creating stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I enjoy it tremendously just because I still get to tap into that part of my old cool. life and then show the girls what they can do. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. And Shireen, you do a more electronics class. It's digital electronics. So right now they're, it's for the people in the future, uh, right now it's September, and they're soldering. So it's the first time they've been soldering. It seems to be one of the favorite units uh, of the year because, you know, can we solder? Because what I love about the whole digital electronics class and soldering and all the things that we're going to be doing is everything seems so difficult and insurmountable to begin with. And then we're like, go, do it, you can do it. And then once you do something challenging, then you, like, the world is your oyster. You think you can do, or you know you can do other stuff, right? So just, like, bring it. It's not something scary that, oh, my God, soldering, I'm going to be horrible. Um, it's, all right, let me just see if I can tackle this problem. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of just go, make mistakes, play, figure it out, get over, be, a, be scared, but do it anyway. And so they're building off of their experience in an engineering class before this, though? It's like the second class, or...? Um, well, in the PLTW curriculum, which is awesome, uh, the four classes we have really don't mesh with each other much. You can take it whenever you want, or...? We have a sequence, but it's not like one, like digital electronics is not dependent yeah. on mm-hmm. the pre... So, like, our yeah. first year is Introduction to Engineering mm-hmm. Design, mm-hmm. Um, which is a lot of just visual design stuff, not too much, in like, hardcore engineering principles. And then the second year is Principles of Engineering, so they learn more about mechanics and... F- thermodynamics and like civil engineering and actual like stability and statics and dynamics and then third year is digital electronics so those three are not 
too terribly related to each right. other. Yeah. And then their fourth year is a EDD, which is Engineering Design and Development. Yeah. And I, it's a capstone class. And I think in, in that class, they do like utilize all of their engineering tools that they have learned from us throughout those three years. Um, they're basically see which project they might. So in that yeah. class, they pick a project they're passionate about. So maybe some people love the digital electronics, so that's the path they would go. Maybe some people really love the mechanical engineering, so that's mm-hmm. the way they would go. How does your teaching experience here at Ann Richards compare to any other experience you've had, um, whether it's in an all-girls school or otherwise? Is it different from other experiences? Absolutely. I think it's it's been shaded because I've been here for so long that I forget like what it was before. Uh-huh. Um, to have them all in a group, I feel like they're a little bit more comfortable taking risks together. Um, they're not at, they don't shy away, which I think they girls tend to do in a heterogeneous mixture, and especially in sort in an engineering class. I feel so. We have a makerspace in the back that has all the you know drills, saws, all sorts of things, and mm-hmm. it's awesome to watch our sixth and seventh graders just go at it and cut stuff and drill holes and I don't know if they would necessarily feel as confident doing that in a mixed environment or have the ability to because sometimes boys take over and um, in engineering classes usually the balance of girl to boys is not necessarily balanced at all there's fewer girls than there are boys so then the boys really take over Um, and here you can't shy away like you you gotta do it like there's no shying away from it and so yeah. yeah, I think part of it is it's all girls, so it's like, well, you're doing it, I got to do it, etc. But I think also part of it is we're a small school, so 700 kids for uh, seven grades, mm-hmm. about 700, 800. Um, so you can't be invisible. But then I th- also think a, another key part, other than just all girls, not all girls, is that that's the culture that's been set up. And it's just expected of you. Like, you will be a leader. You will try something. You will go and try that bandsaw. And it's just expected. So you're like, so it's sort of like peer pressure pushing you to actually uh, do things that you think you can't do. I don't know if you saw all of those ropes courses outside in the front. Like, they're big old wooden crazy structures. Those are seventh graders created those. Okay, I'll make sure to go out. Yeah, and and so they're. ropes course activities like they designed it they built it 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 was it was their one of their seventh grade interdisciplinary projects but also the cool also the cool thing is that the teachers are pushed too like you can't Mm -hmm. just sit in your laurels so that was an awesome teacher or two or three that actually designed that unit for them like hey this would be a great thing for the seventh graders and created it all uh from their heads Mm -hmm. yeah and then now it's just a thing they do it every two or it's been done for two or three years. Yeah. 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 yeah Shireen, you're, you're kind of tackling one of the questions that I wanted to ask anyway. I wondered um, how much of what you see in your classrooms is a result of it being an all girls classroom and how much of it is it, is it because it's Ann Richards and it's that culture and it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, mm-hmm. your colleagues, that kind of thing. I would say it, it, it's almost more culture. It, I don't, yeah. yeah. I feel like, yes, because, you're around excellence, and even though you might not always successfully reach it. <laughs> so let me rephrase that, since I'm around excellence. You're pointing exactly at her. Um, you're like, oh, i got to use my language properly. Gosh, golly. Um, you know, this is what's expected, and I should, you know, what can I try that's out of my comfort level, and what can I experiment? And the nice thing about our administration is that uh, – you're like, oh, you, if we say, oh, we want to try this activity, we want to try this project, like, go for it. It's not like, wow, that failed, you're a horrible teacher. It's like, wow, that failed, what did you learn from it, can you make it better, and go you for trying something different. And is that unique, is that culture unique compared to your experiences or experiences you've heard about? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Uh, right. To have the ability to fail as a teacher usually doesn't happen, right? Um and we try out stuff. You can ask the girls. Like sometimes they feel like they're <laughs> guinea pigs because we try out new things constantly. That's one amazing and awesome thing about this yeah. place is that 20, 15 years into it, like we change our curriculum yeah. almost every like single year. That's really unique. Um, so it is the culture, but then also backing it up is like we're trying to design the best curriculum and the best learning experience for our girls and our students. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always have that in mind as well too. Yeah. 
has anything ever not worked out that you've yes. tried? Oh, yeah. <laughs> any, <laughs> Let any, me count the ways. <laughs> any warnings for other teachers of what not to do? Uh, no, no, no. Because you have to go through it, yes. right? You learn from your mistakes and you... You don't you... know what's going to go wrong. No. Okay. Yeah. And you might take a nugget of something that actually went well in that project and then you're able to build upon that goodness to create a better project. So, But then I feel like that's a nice model to show the kids too, right? You're like, well, because we're, we're trying something new in Algebra 1 this year. Uh, and we're sort of going by the seat of our pants and sometimes we're like you know what that didn't quite work out well and then let's adjust it this little way and go on from there but I think that's a good thing to model for just humans like look at me trying something new and failing but not going like oh my god you know putting your tail between your legs and going back to your comfort zone Mm -hmm. it's just pushing on and trying something else I mean what's the worst thing that happened yeah you burn yourself with a soldering iron there you go singe some hair yeah (laughs) Uh, our second year, or this, their 10th grade class is a DAP year, so it's a digital, uh, Distinguished Achievement Plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, like, when you said starting stuff and failing stuff, I just think of Anna Jo and all of the stuff that she tried. She was our old POE teacher, but there's trailers in the back that the kids uh, renovated. There's a greenhouse. Like, she was she kind of motivated me just to she tried new things every Mm. year like let's gut a trailer and redesign it let's create a greenhouse so so that was like the the more open-ended design class principles of engineering okay and, and they have a capstone yeah. cornerstone. Yeah, and her theory was, and the, she says, well, you know, the kids come like, well, I don't know how to do this part of it. And she goes, I don't either. Let's go research it. Or you go research it and teach me how to do it. So mm. it's a nice collaborative uh, design. Yeah. Would you say that uh, the students here, their level of knowledge or comfort with not knowing something and trying it anyway, that this is different at Ann Richards compared to other schools or other experiences? Um, again, we can't speak for every single school mm-hmm. and the whatever. And I've taught in only two other schools. Um, I think you don't get comfortable making mistakes and trying new things until you actually make mistakes and try new things and say, "Oh, it wasn't so bad," mm-hmm. right? You're not somebody just somebody telling you that it won't be bad. Go for it. You know, you might be hesitant because you're going to look like a fool. You're going to do this or that. But here, it's like, go. You know, jump in the water and see if you can swim. If you can't, we're going to help you out, and then you go try another way to swim or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think the small learning community aids in that uh, ability to go and take risks. The girls are super, super supportive of each other. I wanted to briefly talk about research as well. So I'm trying to look at whatever research I can about single gender classrooms, uh, especially with regards to STEM. So based on uh, what I've found, and I'm I'm wondering if you could help clarify my understanding of it all, I've seemed to find that the research is not consistent. It's not conclusive. Like you might have an all girls classroom in physics and in one study, it's great. In another study, doesn't do anything. In another study, it might be a little worse. Same thing for math, for science. So my interpretation is that there are a lot more important factors than just all boys, all girls, or as important. Is that an accurate interpretation? Totally, yes. Because if you have a teacher or an administration that is doing things in a uh, certain way that's not open to being successful by making mistakes and such, then that's going to filter through as a message and you're just gonna like well okay they tell me this they say that we're all girls but you know it's still a certain way so So it's yeah okay the culture is much more important for example or the teacher that kind of thing the culture yeah i definitely as important i just but i want to say i think that even if we had the small school environment and if we had boys i think it would be different i think they're all equally as important but yeah it's not just one thing like oh if we just do that it's going to be perfect i think you need a mix of it yeah i agree with all of that yeah, of course you do. I do yeah, because you're amazing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, you agree with smart people and everyone's smart. Okay. Um, one other criticism that I've heard, I'm wondering if you could respond to it, is that whenever you have a single gender classroom, if it's all boys schools, I've heard this, or all girls schools, that especially in engineering, because it's supposed to be team-based, you're maybe training people not to work with people who are different from you. Ooh. Like... They don't get used to working with boys or the all boys school doesn't know how to work with girls. What do you say to that criticism? I feel we, as you see in this classroom, there's no desks, so you're forced to work with people and just 
because you're all girls doesn't mean you're all the same. Like we have kids, you know, the kids that things come easy to in a particular topic that don't come easy to. Kids that are very loud, kids that are very quiet, kids that are shy, kids that are whatever. So you still have that mix. Mm -hmm. And not that it's always successful, but you're forced to work with people in a group here. And it's a safe environment to be like, oh, that didn't work out so well. So, you know, as an adult, I have to go work in groups too. And it's not always successful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people don't, pull other things some people there's personality clashes but i think now that you uh, yeah like this lady over here but now that you you're forced to do it and you have some resources to uh pull from when you have to do it later on um what we've found from some of our girls that have gone to college so i have a student i have a student she was all my uh-huh, student nobody else taught her, her. no ever yeah. Uh, and she's a computer science major at uh-huh. ut uh-huh. and she was talking about she's in groups and she's in groups with boys and she's she she had this uh, example of you know they were trying to solve a problem. She's like, well, what about this? Uh, and she's not a wilting flower type of thing. She's like, what about this uh, method of solution? And she said they all ignored her or they're like blah 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 blah, and they go on trying to tackle it again. And another boy, a boy, proposes the same solution. And they're like, woo, that's a great solution. <laughs> and so she's like, what are you gonna do? Yes, yeah, so wow. that. And then some other girls. Because, and it's not at all girls schooling, but we force our girls to talk and to present and to, like, talk to strangers and all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, not stranger <laughs> dangers, but, you know, strangers that are safe, safe strangers <laughs> at school. So um, when they go to college, you know, and they come back and report, sometimes they're like, well, I'm the only one that asks questions in class, or I'm the only one that speaks up, or I'm the only one that goes and gets help from my professors. Okay. So I think part of, um, I don't remember what your original question was, but um, part of the success of this school is like you're forced to advocate for yourself and you're forced, forced to speak up and participate. In any situation, whether yeah. there's boys or girls, yeah. okay. Whatever these kids, or whatever your, your students are learning now in Ann Richards, how much of that... How how similar is that to the workplace? Like, for me, are they doing like, the same things? Yeah, I mean, for me, for my almost four years at the company that I was at, I was on AutoCAD Inventor creating mechanical parts, and that's what we do in IED. They're on the full blown engineering version of AutoCAD Inventor, mm-hmm. and they're going through the whole design process. So it's it's completely equal and similar, and cool. uh, and yeah, and the capstone class that they have as a senior. Um, which is EDD was is super super similar to my capstone uh, mechanical design K class in, at UT. In college, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, was that with Dr. Crawford or something? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so super similar. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And same for so here's the table of contents for digital electronics. Okay. And I'd gone to ACC for some training, and I'd heard back from kids that did electrical engineering in college, and they're like, oh my god, we're doing the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. So they learn right now. They're they resistors and capacitors a little bit. They are soldering, but then they go to circuit theory. Then they talk about basic gates. They talk about truth tables. They talk about. Um, logic analysis like I've, I've created my circuit and there's a mistake what should I do um, so here's basic truth tables that we do then they take it to multi-sim mm-hmm. so by the end of the course they can just get a statement and they know how to uh, set up the logic table they know how to set up the um, circuit you know draw out the circuit yeah. then they can actually put it on a simulation see if it works and they know how to breadboard it and test it out and if something goes wrong they know how to figure it out so that's cool. Um, there are, I mean, there are articulated courses, so yeah. some of our students get you know credit college for credit for it. Yeah. And we touch on seven segment displays, uh, mm-hmm. uh, state machines, flip flops. So and I yeah, I take notes with my kids, but these right. are the notes. So if they take those to college, right, it's stuff that they're going to use. That's awesome. Yeah. How many of them end up studying engineering or computer science in college? You know, we've had uh, the first couple of graduating classes. I don't think it was such a high percentage, but I feel so. Last year we had a. Our graduating class was super small; it was only forty-seven, mm-hmm. and we had in that in, in the engineering pathway there was ten, and That's, all ten okay. all ten majored in engineering. Um, and then I would say, like, I, I wouldn't say one hundred percent of the girls that go through the engineering pathway do major in engineering, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a high decent percentage. And then she's also she hasn't said anything, but she's also our computer science teacher, and she has mm-hmm. inspired many a kids to. Uh, go through computer science so uh, it's a good hefty amount
yeah. something to be proud of, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, now whether or not they graduate with an engineering degree. <laughs> they started out. They started out as an engineer, yeah. but yeah. Okay. And uh, do you have any questions that you wonder about as teachers regarding how to better teach your kids or all the time? All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're constantly searching uh, the internet. We're constantly looking at blogs and at Twitter and at I had their secret Facebook groups. I don't know if you know this, but there's secret Facebook groups for um, AP Calculus, AP Computer Science, and I'm sure for other stuff. So there's a lot of sharing because otherwise you're working in a vacuum. Yeah, yeah and then you just you're potentially missing out on some great ideas of uh, how to teach. Yeah. So there's a world of information out there, and if you just ask the questions, people are happy to share. And one of our main goals to think about the last couple of years is the idea of uh, compliance versus engagement. So and, what and does how, that mean? Like a kid can look like they're engaged, but they're actually just being compliant, you know? And so like how, and that's our kind of our new thing is like, how do you assess if they're being compliant? Because we have great kids that will do what you ask versus being completely engaged in the lesson. So that's probably my question is how um, teachers assess compliance versus engagement in their classroom. Is there any way that you teach differently for an all-girls classroom or majority girls classroom? And what are some of those ways, if so? I see you are nodding your head, Shireen. I am nodding my head. Um, I f- and I don't know if it's a human condition or if it's a teenager condition or if it's a teenage girl or if it's a girl condition, but it's a lot of... But I, actually, I've seen the research, right? There'll be adult men and adult women in a workplace, and, you know, the last... Like, who wants to go try this, and how did you think you did on this? And even if they both, like, actually knew 70% of it, guys that know 70% are like, yeah, I got this, bring it, blah. And girls that know 70% is like, well, I'm not that good at it. I'm only, like, at 70% in my mind, so me, I'm not that good at or it. Or even lowball it, right? Like, uh, they, yes. they're at 70, but they think that they're at 40. Yes. Yeah. So I think part of the thing is just, like, getting the, like, no, you're awesome, go, do it. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you can. So it's a lot of the, like, hmm. pushing yes. You, I don't care 70%. 70% is awesome. And so it's not the fake it till you make it, but it's the, um, not the cockiness. You just have to have the uh, whatever, fill in the blank. I'm getting old with the little like brain thing going. But like you have to have the confidence to be like, you know what? I might not know it, but I know yes. enough. And let me, yet. Yes. And That's let me word. just go do stuff. Yeah, growth mindset. Let me just, yes, I'm capable. I'm the person for this job. So I think a lot of the, and again, so I, like I teach hard classes. I'm like, you got this, you got it. You know, it's like, oh no, I messed up on this one little thing, so I'm a horrible person. No, you messed up on one little thing, you know the whole big picture. So a lot of it is not confidence building, but uh, confidence revealing. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I, These are my quotable phrases. <laughs> that I, always I totally agree with all of that. Okay. Um, and a lot of it, though, it's like, I don't think we'd necessarily go into lessons thinking, okay, I have all girls. How am I going to design? It's best practices for all kids and any kids. But like she was saying, it's a lot of confidence revealings. Like, get off the cliff. You're going to be fine. And if you make a mistake, and it's okay, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not a good analogy. (laughs) (laughs) We do not kick them off the cliff. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much. That was Shireen and Shama from Ann Richards School here in Austin. Thank you. Now that we heard from the high school teachers, let's continue on with middle school. On another day that I visited Ann Richards School, I sat down with engineering teachers Christina, Simon, and Patience right outside their makerspace. Uh, My name is Patience Blythe, and I teach 7th graders engineering and design um, via the PLGW program, Project Lead the Way program, program, but I do a, a specific design focus. I'm Simon Manjarachina. I teach the sixth grade STEM class here at Ann Richards. Uh, and I also use in part uh, the Project Lead the Way curriculum for flight in space and energy in the environment. I'm Christina Reed, and I teach the eighth grade version of our PLTW curriculum, which focuses not only on the pathways that they'll be choosing in high school, um, so engineering, media tech, and biomed, but I also focus on like how do you actually make a project go from start to end. 
by the time they get to eighth grade, it's basically like, hey, what do you want to do? And then I give them the tools and like the resources to figure out how to do their passion. We're a school that is focused on young women's empowerment and leadership uh, with a particular focus on STEM education. I'm going to add to that and that, that our focus of, on STEM is not necessarily just what typically is regarded as STEM, though we try to de or blur the lines a little bit in the sense of understanding how STEM applies to a lot of different disciplines, academic disciplines, even from art to um, civics to um, language and language arts, and try to get people to understand how it's, it's inextricably linked to most aspects of, of our society. So you integrate English and civics and art in each of your classes. You're all nodding. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'd say there's a big initiative on campus to uh, really go after the interdisciplinary connections in all of our classes. So regardless of what project you're in or what class you're working in, you're trying to make those cross-curricular connections as often as possible. Why is this important for your students? Because you guys teach the middle school level up to eighth grade. Why is that important to do that at that level? Well, increasingly, we're in a world where, like, knowledge is no longer locked down to one person or one resource. All of the world's knowledge is available to our students. And I think by showing them how to connect knowledge enables them to use that knowledge more efficiently than perhaps, you know, learners 50 or 60 years ago did. And I think that interdisciplinary approach is something that, like, employers are expecting because as you know our world is more interconnected they're looking for people who can expand just beyond their one field of interest yeah i also think that as we try to recruit more young women and girls in engineering in particular it's important to make those cross-curricular connections to make the subject more approachable and more relatable especially at that younger age and i think also that interdisciplinary education fosters a sense of resilience um, and also, uh, it's, it's a very real world experience at that point. It's more akin to what they're going to experience as adults. Okay. And I think that that resilience piece that we give them and understanding the connections and how things interrelate is going to seem to spur them forward in a more real world way. How do you have time for that? Because it seems like you'd be filling their days with lots and lots of stuff, which sounds awesome. <laughs> But, like, yeah, realistically, how can you plan that for 6th graders, 7th graders, 8th graders? Uh, it's a constant work in progress. Uh, so that, I mean, a lot of these projects that make those connections across the disciplines, these are years in the making. So that, you know, we start small and every year we build on it. And so that when you see one of these projects that's very successful here on campus, that's not just something we whipped up in a matter of weeks before that class got started. Um, this is something we've been collaborating with our peers, our teachers here at school for a number of years and really building these up. You were telling me earlier that you're also under the career and tech ed department, I guess. And so do you have to prepare your students for standardized tests, that kind of thing? or meet some, some state standards? No? No. Our, our classes don't have uh, star tests. Okay. So we do have some teaks, but they're very, very general. So we're lucky in that we can pull teaks from other disciplines if we want to, um, if that's applicable. Or we can look sort of forward, which I think is what we do, is we look forward to high school, and we sort of th we really think about propelling them in, in that direction. Okay. Yeah, as far as the TEKS go, I really focus much more closely the grade level science and math TEKS um, because I see my role here as someone who should be making those connections constantly so that those same skills they're using in their science class and in their math class are coming back to my class and being applied to whatever project we're working with. So we're in a lot of close communication with those science and math teachers at the same time to make sure we're hitting those skill sets. So prior to this... Um, I did, I taught astronomy and science, and the astronomy class I taught was an elective. And so it was primarily um, males who were white and between the ages of 16 and 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And it was a very different dynamic because oftentimes um, they were coming from a background where their parents expected them to go into engineering or they already had like experience in calculus. And a lot of them were very, very focused on, like, this is what we want to do with our life, and this is what we're going to do. And often if I had 
a girl, a girl in that class, she was either there because she thought, oh, maybe this is interesting. Maybe I should try it, but maybe didn't necessarily have like family support. Um, or sometimes she was in it just by accident. Um, she didn't have space in her schedule. She had space in her schedule. And so what I actually, that was kind of what like piqued my interest on like single sex education because I was like, whoa, this is like, so I didn't feel like up until that point, I didn't feel like there was a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kind of like made everyone was like, everyone's the same until I realized that no, maybe they're not. Um, and so having that kind of in my mind of like, that's what that classroom looked like. And that's what like students who had like family support to be in a higher level class look like. How can I like transfer that into my classes here? And I think really like just a big difference is just background knowledge because back to the astronomy thing is that these students had parents who were highly educated already. Um, They had the support Uh, of maybe older siblings who had already gone through this kind of pathway Mm -hmm. and had that. Um, And I feel like if you can give a student that support, then they can do it. And so I feel like my role here definitely is if the students don't have the family support to be involved in the sciences, then like where else can I find that support system? So a lot of it is like finding mentors, finding other people on campus. And then a lot of times it's just me to like support this person into like being involved enough with the science and having those backgrounds um, so they can pursue like those more challenging, um, yeah. I guess, careers. So, Christina, it sounds like your students, even though it is a different age group, they're very different because they don't have, they don't necessarily have family who's been an engineer or in computer science or any of those fields. Is it required to take your classes here or do you teach electives? Yeah, so our classes are required because admin sees that it's very, very important to have that class that connects science and technology and math um, in order for our students to really see that this is something that permeates, like, the world around us. And I saw you guys nodding. Did you have anything to add? Well, I I taught science for seven years, um, and so I started teaching science, like, about 13 years ago and always taught co-ed environments. And then I ended up teaching art for a few years before I came to Ann Richards. This is my first experience with single-sex education. And I also didn't really know what to expect as far as the differences. And what I've noticed um, is the biggest difference is that girls in a single-gender environment, I think, feel more confident to express themselves either positively or if they need help or they're willing to take more risks and what I noticed in my science classrooms my co-ed science classrooms I've always taught middle school Mm -hmm. um, is that girls tended to be very quiet they wouldn't necessarily advocate for themselves or ask questions because I think of the boys in the class Mm -hmm. and so in this environment what I notice is that everybody asks questions they're very free they're very open to being challenged um and if they need help they are they have that space that there's like a safe space aspect to it which i really welcome and i think as a for middle school students i think it's a very powerful benefit one of the things we place a lot of emphasis here on this campus is sisterhood Uh, and so it's this idea that the girls are sisters they're supporting each other uh, and so what I've had to do and sort of shift my approach to engineering and my understanding of how an engineering class gets taught is that uh, things are moving more towards the realm of collaboration and less such as com- competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so many of those engineering design challenges tend to be competitive in nature. If you think about like robotics competitions or just like structural engineering stuff that gets done in the classroom. And what I found is that our students tend to respond more to more of those collaborative challenges uh, where the things that they're building, the things that they're doing become sort of this team effort that has a greater, broader application than just being better than someone else. Uh, and I think that's really, really powerful. And it's, it's taken me a few years to sort of witness that and embrace that and see how much better off our girls are in an engineering environment uh with that kind of parameter um so it's it's been it's been a really amazing experience to see that uh first person tell me about the perceptions that your students have before they come into your class like when they're younger do they have any misconceptions about what engineering is and just so you understand the context i'm thinking about what other people have told me i just re-listened to 
a conversation that I had with some nonprofit organizers, Girl Start and some other nonprofit, where they serve middle school girls and try to bring them STEM experiences. And they told me, at that age, girls are already like eliminating career options if they think it's stupid or something, as opposed to maybe boys you don't care as much. Do you see that? Do do your girls think engineering is something before they even get here? I mean, I think we dispel any of those notions uh, that the girls might have, any of those preconceived notions uh, pretty early on. I don't see a lot of that anymore, but every now and again, I'll encounter a kid who who does have that vision of like the man in the white lab coat and the glasses or something. But I, I don't I don't hear that from the kids as much anymore. And I think because there's been so many initiatives like Girl Start um, that are bringing young women into the classroom as role models. I really think it's made a huge difference because my new sixth graders this year, I don't, I don't see any of that sort of squeamishness around the topic of engineering anymore as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was uh, talking to a colleague yesterday and about how I went to a science and math magnet school outside of Houston, and that engineering was not offered as a course. And um, and I was actually I'm really bummed about it now because I think it would have been a really great thing. And I went to call. I went to high school like twenty years ago, so it was a long time ago. But um, so what I often think about is that yeah, there was already built into my whole high school experience that perception of engineers as not even being something that was connected even to high school at all. And I think that we definitely we bump up against those gender biases a lot, and I think a lot of those are sort of unspoken. But I think if we're actively, if we're proactive about communicating that engineering is a field that is open to all people, then we'll, we'll slowly start to chip away at those perceptions. It just takes time. What other ways can you do that? You said you bring in role models. I guess you're explicitly telling them yeah, it. Yeah. Like, so it's not this implied thing. Is there anything else? Well, actually, I've had... I mean, I think a lot of it is just in, like, the small, like, experiences. Um, I actually had a group that is based out of Austin that's creating software for education, and we just connected at one point, and I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if y'all showed your software to my students and had them basically give you feedback on it? And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We're developing educational software. We should have, like, students look at it and tell us if they like it. And so they came by just the other day and the students that I had, you know, this is the first time they had worked in a, with all, just an all girls group. And the students were very like, um, focused on like the user experience, which they thought was so, they were like so amazed by that. And they were just like, whoa, like the stuff you've given us is stuff that our engineers, um, at our company, like who have done this for their, most of their lives haven't even picked up on. And they're like asking our girls, like, where did you, how did you know to look for this? Like, how did you, and it became more of a conversation of the girls, like telling them like what they learned and what they understood about the design of their product. Um, and then after that, the students were like, so what is a, what is UX? Like, what is this? So it was like one of those things where like, I hadn't even mentioned it to them at all. And it was like a brand new career for them that they could, you know, explore and be interested in. So I think a lot of it is just like offering like diverse opportunities, like this really wasn't going to be something where I thought the girls were going to come away thinking this is a career I want. Yeah. Um, I really thought it would just be like a fun little like afternoon activity. Sure. Um, and it could have, you know, changed those girls' lives. Yeah. So. It sounds like a good technique for anyone to use regardless of it, if it's a single sex classroom or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were both, you all were saying that there are some unique aspects of teaching an all girls classroom. Do you change how you teach your classrooms at all compared to past classes that you've had uh, that were co-ed? I don't think so. I mean, not significantly. I mean, I think I still approach approach the way I teach the same way. Um, I mean, the topics are a little bit different, but my focus as a teacher is on, you know, relationship building and, you know, creating a, a space where students can take risks, and that's been consistent the whole time that I've been a teacher. Um, I think what I'd notice is just the, the real significant difference I see here is just the confidence of the students and the willingness to take risks earlier on mm-hmm. and then and be more um, be more innovative them, themselves. Okay. Yeah, I'd say like any effective classroom teacher is going to adapt to the needs yeah. of that class. And so to say like, oh, I teach differently because it's all girls versus all boys. 
it's more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do these particular kids need right now? And, and you've got to adjust to that. Um, so I can't really speak to, you know, one gender or another, one sex or another. It's, it's, it's what do these girls need right now? And what do your girls need right now? Like you said something about confidence or just in general, when you are teaching engineering to middle schoolers, because a lot of people listening don't even know what that's like. Uh, what do middle schoolers need when it comes to teaching them engineering? As opposed to older kids. Yeah, they need a place where they can make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's like giving them room to be comfortable making those mistakes in front of each other and then picking up and trying again. And so I'm talking about a lot of the math skills that they may or may not have coming into sixth grade. Um, but also when it just comes to learning anything new, that it is okay to not know and to try and to learn by doing. Uh, and so, I mean, that looks a little different for every single kid. But it's really about giving them room to do that and to not be ashamed of when it doesn't go right. To, like, own it and say, yeah, I did this, I tried this, and I'm going to try it again. Yeah, I think um, uncertainty is a, is the most important thing. Like, being able to give them space where they can be uncertain and and not have to be pursuing an answer so that they're focused more on their process of learning versus the result. I think that's the biggest difference. Because I do bring in like a lot of like experts in the field into my classroom, the experts in the field really are focused with the end result. Um, but their perspective on it that they always share with the students is make the mistakes now while you still can. <laughs> and hearing them hearing that actually helps even boost their confidence more because it's like, oh, by making these mistakes now, I'm going to be a better engineer in the future. I'm going to be a better, you know researcher whatever pursuit they have in mind and so to have them say hey make the mistakes now don't make them all you're in the field but make them now I think gives the students an awareness of like why are we making these mistakes why are we learning from these oh so we don't make them again or if we do them again it's a different mistake um, and I think that's something that I think sometimes when you, you know, read education blogs and stuff, they talk a lot about failing forward and you talk about like, oh, failures, like growth mindset. Um, but they sometimes skirt over the fact that like eventually you do want to come to a successful product. Um, but how you come to that is going to be different for every student. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you say that because I, I feel like that's the same thing. People are saying, yeah, fail all the time right now, which is true. But <laughs> then the engineer cannot be exploding their their shuttles in the future every, every yeah day. not every day yeah. maybe yes. in a simulation or something <laughs> but um okay cool and um do you have any advice for other teachers who teach young kids or older kids th- that maybe you picked up while you were here at ann richards well i think uh i would say to a young if a younger teacher a younger version myself or somebody else i would say um trust your hunches about how you want to teach um, find an environment that supports you exploring those hunches um, and be willing to not have it figured out immediately. Like, for example, the first time I taught a class like my class now was 13 years ago um, in this building when it was a different school and I had a science elective and it was the first time I played with this idea. It took 10 years after that for me to actually be able to figure out how to put it into a class but I trusted myself the whole way through so I think if you have a I mean I think to to really find what you're passionate about you're excited about um, and find some people that will support you in that and if you can't find if that's not where you're at right now and you and you want to follow this hunch of yours or this dream of yours f- go to a, a place where you find that to be the case and that's really important because this job is really hard and it can make you uh, be exhausted and feel sort of beaten um, unless you have that kind of an environment yeah I want to give patients a high five right now uh, <laughs> um, yeah I, I would say to any any other teachers who are out there younger teachers are just getting started like if you're not happy with what you're doing then find a place that is going to support you and will allow you to be happy uh, so that you can follow those things that you're passionate about and share those with your students. Uh, there's a lot of schools out there, so don't get boxed in. Um, but yeah, it sounds so easy. <laughs> just find well, it's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I, I'm lucky to be here. Um, 
But uh, yeah, I'd say like if there's ideas for projects and stuff that you have that you're passionate about, find a way to connect it to the curriculum that you're teaching. Uh, because the more excited you are about what you're doing, the more excited your kids are going to be. Any advice for parents or families of these kids when it comes to learning engineering or supporting your kid when it comes to engineering? And so, Christina, you're, you're saying, oh, yeah. So, and um, this actually ties into your last question as well. Like, one of the things that has benefited me the most is, like, to let the parents know what you're doing in your class because they can come in and be like, hey, like, I do this other thing and I can share this with your students and I can give you that approach of like, hey, this is what the like, this is what my version of this project looks like in my job. Um, or even at just like a, like a, I guess a more intimate level, that parent can have those conversations with their student. And so I actually start parent night when the parents come to me. I always start off my conversations with the parents the same way. I'm like, your job is to share your passions with your student. They are teenagers are going to act like they don't care, but they really do because later on in the year, I'm going to hear from your child. Hey, my dad does this in this job. My mom helped build this deck. My sister uh, wanted to create this weird contraption that did this thing. And I hear it in my classroom because that's where our students get their knowledge from. So like really, really like share your passions with your children because even though they seem like they're not listening, they are. <laughs> Thanks again to everyone at the Ann Richards School for helping me with this topic, especially to the teachers you heard today. Christina Reed, Simon Mangiarachina, Patience Blythe, Shama Lakshmanan, and Shireen Dadmer. For notes and links related to the Ann Richards School or anything else mentioned today, just visit this podcast's website, k12engineering.net. The website also has transcripts for selected episodes, and I'll be getting more up soon. What did you think about this episode? Email or tweet me a message, or leave a rating and review of the episode wherever you're listening to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes or elsewhere. And finally, you can do a huge favor to help support the show by donating on Patreon online at patreon.com slash Pios Labs. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-i-o-s-l-a-b-s. Closing music is from a track called Girl by Miros, and you can find more music by Miros on SoundCloud under the username Miros Sound, or just check the show notes for a link. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is a production of Pios Labs. Level up your thinking with Pios Labs. Oh.